Welcome to Category 5 Technology TV, episode number 372 for Tuesday, what is it, the 4th of November 2014. Great to see you tonight. We are going to learn how to use the GNU image manipulation program that's free software to turn a dull looking day uh, into a beautiful, sunshiny blue sky. So you don't want to miss that. We're using all free software tonight to do exactly the opposite of what we've done before and uh, make a dull day look absolutely beautiful. Over to you, Sasha. Hey, Robbie. Hey. Here's what's coming up in the Category5.tv newsroom. Users of Drupal weren't given a lot of time to patch their site before a mass attack took place across millions of websites. 4G at up to 150 megabits per second is coming to the UK. Microsoft has stopped selling retail copies of some of its versions of Windows 7 and 8. And you can now watch Disney movies on Android devices anywhere, anytime. Stick around. The full details are coming up later in the show. This is Category 5 Technology TV. Starring Sasha Dermatis. Hillary Rumble. Krista Wells. Eric Kidd. And your host, Robbie Ferguson. Introducing Belltone First, a revolutionary new hearing aid. So small you can hardly see it. So comfortable you can hardly feel it. For the first time ever, you can control hearing aids directly from your iPhone. Pick up the phone, listen to music, and use your hearing aids like wireless headphones. Hear everything that matters. Try Belltone First. For a free trial, call 1-800-BELLTONE now. This is Category 5 Technology TV, episode number 372. I'm Robbie Ferguson. I'm Krista Wells. Nice to see you. Welcome to Studio D. Thanks. It's been a while. I haven't yeah. seen this since uh, we were doing some drywalling. Drywalling we and all that. Some... And then I covered. Yeah. Because of my mudding. I thought it's probably best that I cover just, up my mudding job. paper over that. If you ever want to hear Krista laugh hysterically, just watch the backstage pass videos from the Studio D renovation after she saw my mudding job well i mean in all fairness it was like four inches thick <laughs> and i tried to sand it <laughs> layer it on really really thick and then sand it down That's some how people i, do I tell you yeah yeah you're a pro though you're so good at it i do try um i'm mostly good at it because i try to make you look bad so i mean normally i'm not that great but sense. in comparison to robbie I'm a pro star over here right <laughs> well people were shocked watching backstage pass at cat5.tv slash studio to see uh, it's neat i think the through the whole process was seeing all these different talents that everybody has and you in particular with your ability to do renovation projects yeah i learned a lot from this girl yeah so check those out cat5.tv slash studio sasha 
over in the newsroom. Hello. Hello. I love your set tonight. Uh, you're, Thank you're, you. We, we moved your window over I, the, <laughs> that's actually the beautiful Berry Bay. So you can see behind her, that's uh, the outline of City Hall mm. and looks lovely. Uh, last week, you and I were a fair bit older and I was very forgetful as, as a 90-year-old oh. man. Wow, those masks were intense. That was a lot of fun, but that was some... We won't do that next year. <laughs> we've, we've done it all. We've done... Uh, no, I was Spider-Man one year where I left it on the whole time. Um, so that was fun. Uh, but last week I, I did a feature and you would have loved being here because you would have sat in the audience and jeered and laughed and pointed because it didn't I work. I do that anyways. The, the stuff I built didn't work. To be fair, I was 90 years old last week. So, uh, but you know what I did? Excuse me. You guys ready for this? A noob mistake. Oh. Sash was like, oh, I'm so excited to hear this. Okay, so I figured oh. it out. I, I looked over my source code. I mistyped my email address. <laughs> I mistyped my email address for the authentication. Yeah. So if you look at that source code at demo.cat5.tv slash 017. Uh, no, it was 18. Pardon me. 018. You'll see that I typed my email address wrong. That's why the oh, sample code, the, the one that I uploaded afterward, worked because I had already tested it and I put in my email address correctly. So my code worked. So if you were following along, <laughs> don't fret. Just make sure you enter your information correctly. Very, very important. Absolutely. This is the first time you've seen the green screen studio, the uh, the newsroom set. Sasha, yes. I'm going to throw over to you here just so that we can show how this works. I mean, it's absolutely incredible. Uh, and we have green screen studio sets available for you on sale right now, cat5.tv slash green. Make sure you head on over there. You'll be able to get the best deal possible. They are on sale. And I'm talking up to 56, 57% off, cat5.tv slash green if you'd like to check one of those out. And these are great for, we're doing a photo booth this weekend with the green screen. You can set up, you know, in your garage or basement, a nice uh, studio set that you can do some virtual special effects and things like that. Or if you're like me and you never see people anymore and you want to pretend you have friends, you can put some friends in the Superimpose yourself onto <laughs> yeah. the, there you go, cat5.tv slash green. And uh, with a little ingenuity, uh, you can have friends. I wonder how we segued into that. All right. <laughs> Sad. <laughs> uh, also, speaking to Sasha, your newsroom segment's doing very well. Uh, if you didn't know what we've been doing the past three weeks, and it's only three weeks, folks, we have been taking the newsroom segment with Sasha Dermatis uh, and putting it, uh, making it available on Roku and on YouTube and that kind of, and RSS feeds and all that. It's a, it's all part of our distribution system as kind of a separate show. Uh, Sasha. Yes. Big news. Don't know if you know this or not. Through Roku My, alone, yes. you have officially surpassed 17,000 views. What? Wow. That can't be just my family. <laughs> those <laughs> that are unique is incredible. Views. Those are unique views. So those are oh. individual people watching your, your segment. So 17,000 is the count right now. Holy so. Hannah. So Hello, everybody. It's like 17,000 17, famous in three or weeks, you yeah. need like 18. How big a venue like, would I need to invite all of my friends to thank them? <laughs> Just invite all your fans for Saturday's uh, open house. Wow. Um, so that's thank going you. fairly that's well. So um, congratulations to Sasha and thank you to you for supporting um, Category 5 and Sasha uh, with her new segment, uh, which you'll find in the Category 5 dot tv 
uh, or the Category 5 Technology TV channel on Roku. And, of course, on linuxtechshow.com, you'll see that we have set up a playlist on YouTube as well. I haven't included YouTube plays in those numbers. That's strictly Roku. So, Speaking of Saturday, Saturday's our open house. Uh, The studio obviously is coming together. It's looking really, really great in here. Uh, Landlord stopped by today, got us some heat, and got some stuff going on, and and looked at the place. Good timing. Said, wow. Yeah, this this looks great. And, you know, if he's impressed, then uh, I think you'll be impressed if you come and join us. This Saturday, between 1 and 4 o'clock in the afternoon, come to Barrie, Ontario. Uh, you can go to cat5.tv slash open house and request your free tickets. And uh, with your ticket, you're going to get uh, in, uh, directions on how to get here. And, of course, our open house is... Uh, going to be a great event. It's a ribbon-cutting ceremony where we're going to uh, welcome everybody to come in and meet uh, the crew of Category 5 Technology TV, both on air and behind the scenes. Uh, We're also going to have volunteer appreciation time, and uh, we've got a photo booth. So we're setting up the green screen, and if you would like to sit on Sasha's newsroom set, uh, you'll walk away with a 4x6 of that shot. So that's going to be a lot of fun. That's this Saturday, cat5.tv slash open house. Fly in from wherever you are. But certainly if you are local enough to Barrie, Ontario, uh, this is a great opportunity for you to see how the show is done. We're giving you full tours and showing everybody how this stuff works. So hope you can be here. That's pretty exciting. Lots I of like fun. It. And Category5.tv is, is a member of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. That's Cat5.tv slash TPN and the International Association of Internet Broadcasters. That's Cat5.tv slash IAIB. Don't forget, also check out our mobile website, m.cat5.tv. Scan that QR code or just visit on, on your mobile device. That's going to give you on-demand video, on-demand audio, and uh, you'll be able to catch the show live as well through your mobile or tablet, mcat 5 TV. Uh, there are a couple of more little, uh, you know, ho- house cleaning stuff that we need to cover. Maybe we'll come back to it after uh, after our segment tonight. We've got lots of viewer questions. I don't want to waste too much time on uh, on you know the bare essentials. Uh, we can get right into it. So tonight we are uh, we're going to actually be um, learning to well on episode three sixty seven. I should back up a little bit. Episode three sixty seven. We took photos that were taken on a really bright day and made them look better. Nice blue skies, and we used uh, free software uh, called Darktable in order okay. to take raw images from the camera and manipulate the levels and fix up the coloring and, and things like that. Um, check out episode number 367 if you haven't already done so. You'll be able to learn how we did that. Um, but tonight we're doing the opposite. We're taking a photograph that was taken on a dull day. You we want all to be a little more sunshiny? Yeah, we want to make it a little bit nicer because we all have it happen. We've booked a photo shoot. We want to uh, we want to get out there and take a nice shot for a customer or a friend or family or whatever it may be, uh, and the weather just doesn't cooperate. You don't want to reschedule, so you shoot the pics, but uh, you know, gray skies don't look very nice when it comes to, uh, to taking shots. Albuquerque Turkey saying maybe stick a polarizing filter on the new camera. Of course. If you have a polarizer on your camera when you're shooting outdoors, that's going to make a giant difference. Uh, if you're shooting water, if you're shooting through glass, uh, you definitely want to have a polarizer on your camera. That's a must-have in your kit. Um, tonight, what we're actually doing, though, is looking at, okay, well, what if the shot has already been taken and uh, and you need to be able to manipulate it and make it look a little bit better? Right. Probably a great tutorial for people who don't necessarily have the advanced equipment either. That's and true. just kind of want to make everything look you a may bit ha- nicer. That's a good point because you have a point-and-click yeah. uh, camera. You don't have the option to stick a polarizer on there. Where are you going to put it? 
right? So if you've shot the picture and you want to make it look nicer, how do you go about it? So we're going to do it digitally. Uh, I'm using a tool called GNU Image Manipulation Program. It's commonly called GIMP uh, for short. Uh, I've got version 2.8, and it's freely available for you. Uh, You can get it off their website, gimp.org. It'll work on Windows. It'll work on Linux. I'm on Linux tonight. Um, and there is also a version for Mac. So it's uh, it's freely available for you. An alternative to uh, Microsoft Windows um, tools such as uh, Adobe Photoshop, which is also available on Mac. But very expensive mm-hmm. to buy and then have to keep it up to date. With GIMP, you get the free updates and all that kind of stuff as you as you go. Are you ready for it? Oh, I'm ready. And I welcome you as oh, a yeah. photographer and digital guru to uh, interject anything that you may see that I may not know or however you want to do it. But here we go. I've got uh, the GIMP up on my screen. And I've got this picture of a building that I took on a dull, dreary day. And this is the classic case of, wow, that's a really dull kind of image because it was taken on that day. And it just happened to be a little bit rainy, a little bit foggy. And completely overcast. It was absolutely mm-hmm. overcast. Not a bit of blue, not a bit of sunshine coming through. But the photo itself, when you look at it, is really not that bad of a photo. It's no, and just, everything looks kind of nice and crisp, so it'll be a great photo to work off of. Yeah, I think so. So uh, the building itself is uh, one of the things that I look at with this particular photo. The building is uh, reasonably easy to work with. It's It's got square edges, and um, there isn't a lot to really figure out with this image. It's going to be pretty easy. But how do we get that sky to look nice, and how do we get it to look real? That's what we're going to accomplish tonight. So first thing that I need to do after having looked at this, uh, this image and deciding, okay, well, yeah, we want to take this image and put a blue sky in here, and how are we going to do that? The first thing we need to do is find uh, a mechanism for a blue sky. You might take a photo. Yeah, you might take a photo and have a really nice photo of a blue sky. What I'm going to do tonight, though, is take the easy way out and just hit up Google. And I'm going to type in blue sky. And I'm going to go into images. Here's the kicker. Wow. Yeah. There's a lot, right? So I can stick any of those on there. But here's the kicker. We've got to go search tools, usage rights, labeled for reuse with modification. Because we need to know that we are legally entitled to use this image. Mm -hmm. You don't want to be stealing an image from somebody who doesn't give you the right to do so. So back here, I've now selected labeled for reuse with modification. That means that you are allowed to use this for commercial purposes and you're allowed to make changes to the image. If you're not using it for commercial purposes, you may get more results in your search by going with a non-commercial reuse license. That's going to allow you to not only um, edit it and use it and everything, but you're going to only be able to use it for non-commercial use. can't put it into a commercial project. So looking at these images and understanding that this is the picture that I'm working with, I want to find a sky that is going to potentially work with what I am, uh, what my source image is. That one looks pretty good. If I look at that, I can make that work. So next thing, Krista, that we're going to want to do and with you at home is make sure that our cloud image is going to be at least the resolution of our source image. We want to make sure that if we're going to take some clouds that are already taken and it's a beautiful blue sky, we want to make sure that we're not going to be stretching it. We right. don't want to have any kind of uh, graininess. Your, your little pixelated clouds in your nice sharp buildings. Or exactly. Look and a little funny. The illusion is gone. 
because you've got two images that are mix-matched and they just don't work together. So my source image, the picture of the building, that's the one that I'm going to use as my base for my resolution. So looking at my screen here, I can see now I'm just working with a small version of this image right now, not the image off the camera, but that's only because of the, just for the sake of this demonstration. You probably have something that's about 4,000 pixels or something like that wide. So I know that I need to find something at least 1,000 by 662. If you are working with your image, go into image size, check how big it is, or in the GIMP, you can go up to the top here. I uh, can't really see it with my theme. Oh, there we go. You can see in the, in the title bar, it shows you the width and height, which is quite nice. Um, so I know that this image in Google, you can see the dimensions of the image, is going to be way more than enough. If you're not sure, or if the image if the image is absolutely perfect, what a beautiful image. That will work perfectly, but it's too small. Say it's 500 pixels. Google allows you to do a neat little thing, which is search by image. So when you search by image, it's going to grab that image and then give you the option for all sizes or what you probably want is large. So then you can search for that image, and here are all the instances of that image, and they are all going to be in the 3,000 pixel range. So let's make sure that I find, now I'm on this rabbit trail of, okay, well, I want the actual image. I'm going to go back here. There we go. This one is released on Wikipedia. So next step. We've been through this before, but I just want to show you. I'm going to visit the page where that image is found. I'm going to find that image. There it is. I'm going to click on it, and I'm going to read what licensing terms there are with this image. We want to make absolutely sure, again, that we're legally entitled to use this picture. Here on Wikipedia, it lists the license down here, Creative Commons, and that is a attribution share like 3.0 unported license. It sounds all complicated, but what does it mean? It's all plain text, human readable, it's nice and easy. You are free to share, copy, and redistribute the material in any medium or format. Brilliant. You're allowed to adapt, remix, transform, and build upon the material. That's great because we're going to edit it for any purpose, even commercially. Okay, so we know that this is cool. The licensor cannot revoke these freedoms. So if anyone ever later says to you, hey, that's my picture, uh, I don't want you using it, you can say, well, sorry, you licensed it that way, and uh, you cannot revoke that. Not that that ever happens. Okay, under the following terms, here's the uh, attribution part. You must give appropriate credit, providing a link to the license, and indicate if changes were made. You may do so in any reasonable manner, but not in any way that suggests the license or endorses you or your use. This is this particular image. This is the license. And share alike, if you remix or transform the material, blah, 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 you're going to license it under the same license. So I have to now release my work under Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike 3.0 Unported. No problem. I'm happy with that. So for the record, because we need to comply with the licensing agreements of this image, uh, this image is brought to you in part by Mohammed Tasif Salam, and it is licensed under Creative Commons by SA 3.0. Now that that's out of the way, let's work it. Okay. I've clicked on the image. I've got the full res image here. And I'm going to copy. This is one of the nice things about GIMP. Uh, copy image URL. And then file, open location. In Photoshop, you can just go file, open, paste a URL. Uh, some people don't know that. You can actually paste a URL from the web. You don't have to first download it to your computer. You can, in fact, just copy and paste the URL itself, and it will download it in one fell swoop. So I'm going to make this image about the same proportion, uh, the same dimensions as my image as far as the width goes. Height doesn't really matter because I've got a lot of uh, parking lot to cover as well. And I'm going to paste that in. 
I'm going to put that in a new layer. Now all I've done to paste, just so you know, I hit uh, Control A on the cloud image. I hit Control C, which is copy to clipboard. Uh, Control A is select all. Control C is copy to clipboard. And then I go back to my uh, source image and I hit Control V. That's going to paste what is in my clipboard into the current image. So now I need to tell it, okay, well, what do I want to do with this floating selection? I'm going to go uh, right-click layer and then to new layer. So now I've got this layer here that I can turn on and off and I can move around and manipulate. Again, I'm using the GNU image manipulation program. You can use Photoshop and the tools are very, very similar. I'm using the cursor keys on my keyboard to move this image around and I've put it up approximately where the clouds should be. So now the next step is, okay, well, that doesn't look right. And, you know, how do I do it? And the amateur thing to do would be to say, okay, let's use the magic selection tool. And then let's bring this up and let's copy that and paste that. And then, and then you're going to end up with something junky like that. And you sometimes see that kind of thing on the web, right, Krista? You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, those nice little white edges. The nice white edges. Oh, well, we can feather the marquee, so the nice. magic marquee. That's not how we do it, folks. One yeah, it needs a little bit more rework, I think. And yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Forget about magic wand. Okay, don't even touch it. It's nice for... It's a terrible tool. It's a terrible tool. Terrible. Nice for when you're starting up. But we're going to teach you how to do this properly. And one of those things is layers. We've got layers to work with, right? Mm -hmm. i got to drink my coffee. I have to. Got to keep awake for you folks. It's lubricant for my vocal <laughs> cords. All right. <clears throat> so that's what we're not going to do. I'm going to delete that. That's horrible. See what I did? Feel bad about yourself now, don't you? I would never do such a thing. <laughs> We're going to use layer masks and all that kind of stuff. So what we need to do is, okay, I've got this layer selected. This is my cloud layer. And I'm going to change the mode of this. And you can scroll through and pick the one that you want. I know probably dark and only is going to be the one that I'm going to select. And what that does is uh, put the clouds kind of on top of as a, as a bit of a a mask, a layer, what would you call that? It's a translucent layer where it grabs those colors and puts them over top of using a darkened layer. So we can scroll through and see if one works a little bit better. You can see how each one, oh, that's nice and bright and lovely. Each one is going to be just a little bit different. That's spooky if you're going for that <laughs> October 31st kind of look. Uh, definitely a storm on the horizon. Neat how different types of layer modes entirely change the way that overlay affects your image. But again, I think it's going to be either dark and only or possibly, well, multiply, you look at the sky between dark and only yeah, and multiply. the sky stays the same. The it's sky the is identical. The color overlays that are changing. So what I want to look at then, Krista, is probably the tree because that's the most complex thing in this entire image. What's going to happen to that tree with my different overlay types? With that one, the clouds are kind of the focus. With that one, the tree comes into the foreground and is a little bit darker. I think, I think that one's your dark best and bet. only. Mm -hmm. I think dark and only is definitely the one that I want to work with. Okay, so now I've got this ugly looking building all of a sudden, and you know how do we work with that? Well, I'm going to grab one of the great tools in the GIMP is this lasso marquee, and all I need to do is simply zoom in on my image a little bit using the plus. So I hold shift and press the plus button and click on the outside of an edge here as if I were going to use a ruler and trace around this image like that. So I'm going to go and just go all around the edge to the corners, corner to corner, corner to corner. And I mentioned that this image is great for this because we really have nothing but straight edges. 
Notice, Chris, I, I don't know if you can do this in Photoshop, but notice how I'm able to move around my canvas as I'm doing a marquee a lot Absolutely easier. Absolutely you are. How do you do that in Photoshop? Um, I wouldn't actually be able to verbally tell you right now. I just, my, oh, come my on cookies now. are in my head. Oh, I'm sure you can do it. I will research, not research, I will pay attention to what I do next time and I will okay. bring you the information. I have often found it more difficult Mr. in Photoshop Nathaner. to do that, to move around the canvas. All I'm doing is using the scroll wheel of my mouse. Mm-hmm. And I hold in the shift key and that, uh, pardon me, the control key, mm, how, how is it? See? Yeah. Shift. <laughs> Sorry. No, well, yeah, it's, it, yeah, I guess so. Okay. Hypocrite. Up and yeah. without holding shift, my scroll wheel is up and down. Mm-hmm. If I hold shift and do it, it's left and right. Mm-hmm. So when I'm doing my marquee here, isn't it cool that I can move around like that and just all I'm doing is clicking on corners. Now, another thing here is that, okay, now I'm starting to get into where I just, I just simply can't see the edge of the building there through the blue. Uh, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to turn uh, off that layer, the cloud, and continue working on my marquee. I've got now, look at this, I'm noticing now that I've turned off the blue, but I'm not quite at the corner there. Again, nice thing about GIMP is I can grab that corner that I had already worked on. Oh, i got to zoom out before I can do that, but gladly. Uh, I can move my corners. So if I've already clicked, I can actually move that just by clicking on the point and dragging it to a new point. So I'm going to go down here, over here, grab those corners. I don't really need to worry about those little antenna-looking things there because they're not uh, they're not going to really show the clouds through them. I don't need to be that precise in this particular case. Now I'm going to zoom out, get there, bum, bum, and enter finishes off my marquee. So you'll see now I've got this great marquee going around the building. So if I invert that selection and then bring back up my clouds, then I can add a layer mask. Let's make sure I've got the right selection. I do. So what I'm doing there is now what's selected is the cloud area. So up here is what's selected. The building is unselected. See where the marquee is moving around like ants? That's the area that I'm working with. So if I right-click on that layer and choose Add Layer Mask and choose Selection, because that's what I want to create my mask from, it's now created this beautiful cut on those lines, and there's no, there's no bad look to the edging or anything like that. Okay, so now there's a problem. Do you see it? Krista sees it. I know Krista sees it. Do you see it at home? Do you know what it is? What's the one thing about taking a photo like this uh, and all of a sudden we've got the gray sky turn blue? What about our reflections? Hmm. Yeah, it still looks kind of funny. There's something going yeah. on because I've got these windows that are all reflecting a gray sky. Okay, so what's next? Easy breezy. Uh, all I need to do, I'm going to replicate that cloud layer. So I right-click on it and go duplicate layer and then right-click and delete the layer mask. Uh, master selection, blah, 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 delete layer mask. There it is. Okay, so now I'm back to looking like that. Okay, I'm going to turn all those off. And now I'm going to use that same marquee here, that one that allows me to really manipulate the marquee just by clicking on corners, what shape or windows they are. Rectangular. I don't have to be overly precise. Now, oh, great, I've got to click on the next one. Well, what happens if I do that? Ta-da, the first one disappears. Wait a minute. So what I need to do is hold in my left shift key as I click the next one. 
and now I'm doing multiple selections. So now I'm holding the shift key right now. See that? So now I'm able to select multiples. Okay. Look for any window that is reflecting that gray sky. Notice that I am not having to be incredibly accurate with this. If you were doing this for a customer or, or you know, in this particular case, it's really quite an easy image to work with because it's straight edges. But it's you don't have to be overly precise because the clouds are on a they're darkening light areas. So where I've got this brown trim around the edge, it's not going to actually show cloud there because it's too dark for it to do that. So I'm just shift clicking. And I'm almost to the edge. Okay, this window here is on an angle and it's also reflecting some of that gray. So I'm going to grab that angled window here. There we go, and keep going across the building. What do you think so far, Krista? Oh, I think you're doing a heck of a job. Yeah? Yeah. Oh, thanks. <laughs> okay, and final couple of windows here. A few on the side. We're not going to go overboard with this particular demonstration because really what we're teaching you here is concept. And I want you to see how... This is really quite easy to do and actually looks pretty real. I don't think you're... You're going to be hard-pressed to tell that this is not actually the way that the sky looked. Okay, so I'm, I'm pleased enough with that. I'd probably touch up around the where the trees are down here, but I think it's probably going to be just fine. So now I'm going to turn back on that duplicated layer, and I'm going to right-click, and I'm going to go Add Layer Mask. Notice I did not have to select Invert this time because my windows are the ones that are highlighted. All right, back here change that to selection and then add and there we go so we've got that kind of a thing going on turn back on our clouds up here as well so now okay so we still have this what's going on our our image uh, the two images kind of clash we've got a really dark blue sky with a kind of a nice subtle um, lighting on the building itself so we need to change the opacity of this See what I'm doing by changing the opacity of the windows and then the opacity of the sky. We're able to get a really clean look to it that is going to look much more realistic. What do you think about there? Yeah, I think Where that's pretty good. Pretty good? All right. And there you have it. It's really uh, a pretty simple uh, method of doing it. You'd, I, I got a little bit sloppy around some of the window edges there, as you see. I want to keep it in the dark area, but uh, you can be a little more precise with that. But you'll notice now the windows appear to actually be reflecting blue sky. Everything looks quite nice, and we've gotten rid of that, eliminated that whole uh, gray sky kind of aspect to the image. And you can play with the opacity there just to darken and lighten the, uh, the blue sky and it's going to work really, really well for you. Next thing is that we want to save an image that is going to be editable in future. If we ever want to change this, we can save that as whatever.xcf. That is a basically the equivalent of a Photoshop PSD, mm -hmm. so it's uh, something that you can edit later and actually have access to the layers. But now we want to share that image, so we're going to go File, Save. Uh, I'm going to actually export. I know uh, we've got Save for Web. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to export 
just to show you really how that works. And I'm going to save it as either a ping or a JPEG. JPEG is pretty common, so JPG is the extension, and GIMP automatically determines, okay, you're trying to save as a JPEG. So then it says, how do you want it to, you know, how much quality do you want? Down there is really low quality, up there is really high quality, but the, it's at the sake of this is a small file, this is a big file. Best way to know is turn on preview. There's your image. If you turn it down all the way, you'll see, oh, that's terrible. And then you can just slowly work your way up until you find a happy medium between really good quality and really small file. So that file there looks pretty good and is only 65K. So that's pretty brilliant. You might want to bring it up a little bit more. And it so, completely depends what you want to use it for, too. If you're yeah, using it so. for print and for some reason wanting to hang this on your wall, you're definitely going to want a higher quality image. Definitely. So now I just have to hit export. There it is. Boom. Gone. We're done. Ta-da! Ta-da! How do you like that? This is Category 5 Technology TV. Thanks for joining us tonight. And uh, I hope you enjoyed that little tidbit, that nugget. <laughs> Lots of viewer questions I know tonight. So yeah, All sorts of sunshiny photos out there now. There you go. Yeah. Now you can do it. All right, off to the Category 5 Technology TV newsroom. Here is Sasha Dermatis. It's Tuesday, November 4th, 2014, and here are the stories we're covering this week. Drupal gave its users just seven hours to patch their sites before a multi-million site hack took place. Screaming fast cellular internet is on its way to the UK. Microsoft has officially pulled the plug on retail sales of some versions of Windows 7 and 8 to drive users towards their newer operating system. And Disney has brought its entire movie library to Android. These stories are coming right up. Don't go anywhere. Good news! Operation Christmas Child is one of the great stories. It's unfolding in our lifetime. We are only seeing just the beginning of this project. And these children will change the world. And here are the top stories from the Category5.tv newsroom. Up to 12 million websites may have been compromised by attackers who took advantage of a bug in the widely used Drupal software. The sites use Drupal to manage web content and images, text, and video. In its highly critical announcement, Drupal's security team said anyone who did not take action within seven hours of the bug being discovered on October 15th should proceed under the assumption that their site was compromised. The bug in version 7 of the Drupal software put attackers in a privileged position. Their access could be used to take control of a server or see a site with mal malware to trap visitors. Browsing speeds on some 4G handsets in some UK cities are set to accelerate as two UK operators switch on an improved version of the mobile technology. Called 4G Plus by EE and 4.5G by Vodafone, the technology can offer data rate rates of 150 megabits per second. 
In practice, those signing up to use the service should see speeds of up to 90 megabits per second, much faster than standard 4G. However, the technology is only usable on two handsets currently, currently available in the UK, Samsung's Galaxy Alpha and Note 4. However, other 4G customers should see average browsing speeds improve as well because the technology involves improving the network's data handling capacity. The upgrades have already begun, but the rollout will not be complete until sometime mid to late 2015. Hmm. Can I talk to you for a second about that? Mm-hmm. I think um, when it comes to internet that fast, why do you need 150 megs on your phone? Krista? <laughs> do you? Um, I don't know. I honestly don't use the internet on my phone often. There you go. Sasha? Would it be for streaming, well, streaming movies or... To your phone at 150 megabits a second? Well, I don't understand what that speed is. That is... (laughs) What is that? that I don't get that. You think about a DSL connection, a high-speed internet connection at Mm -hmm. home, and you're talking three megabits a second, perhaps? Okay. All right. So three megabits per second, and now on your phone, you've got 150 so your phone could completely replace any computer. Well, and here's the thing, and this is what what I think is that we're transitioning. Well, I'll just say it. We are broadcasting through LTE tonight. Mm-hmm. We are broadcasting through cellular internet. Mm-hmm. Where does that kind of speed over a cellular network really come in handy? It's not just the cell phone, and sure, we're seeing it on the cell phones, but really it's going to transition into these kinds of devices that we use that turn your LTE internet into a mobile hotspot. That you can share your internet connection from your phone right. and make it accessible to your computers. Right. So that's what I do with my with my laptop that I have okay. now. So I have mine as a as a hotspot, so it would improve my connectivity. There you go. Yes. Exactly. So you'd have faster internet on your laptop because the internet is faster on right. your phone, which is what is sharing your internet connection. Nice. And so I, now I have to move to Europe. That's the, well, this is the transition. <laughs> and we here in, uh, in Barrie, we have um, fairly fast LTE. Mm-hmm. Our 4G service runs probably, I've seen as high as about 30 megs a second. So that's pretty good. It's faster, way faster than DSL, uh, faster than some cable internet services as well Mm -hmm. Um, but it's very expensive and that's the kicker you mentioned watching movies well if you've got 150 megs a second and you can stream movies that well perfectly from your phone to all your devices now all of a sudden your lte usage your 4g usage is going up and up and up because every time you watch a show it might be a gig Mm -hmm. of usage bandwidth Mm -hmm. you have to pay for that on lte you don't have to pay for that necessarily on hardwired internet service so that's the kicker Know where it's going to go? I don't know. We will see. Well, Microsoft has officially stopped selling retail copies of some versions of Windows 7 and 8. Huh. The date to stop selling the software was set some time ago and should help Microsoft move people on to more recent versions of its operating system. Hmm, how do you feel about that, Ravi? <laughs> <laughs> well... I'm tickled pink. Uh, no, but it's it's interesting that Windows 7 is now coming off the store shelves and even mm-hmm. Windows 8. Now, Windows 8.1, of course, is the, the focus of Microsoft at this point. But um, And so people sometimes get confused between Windows 8 versus 8.1, not realizing that they're actually quite substantially different. Luckily for them, they will no longer have to actually choose between 8 and 8.1 because 8 will no longer be available. There you have it. 
Mm-hmm. Separately, statistics suggest people are finally moving away from some very old versions of Windows. The current version of Windows is 8.1, and that will be the default version offered on PCs. The next version of Windows, called Windows 10, is due to be released late next year. That has something to do with Microsoft's inability to count. From, yeah, what happened to 9? It doesn't exist. They eight, skipped over 8. it. 8.1, 9. No, no, 9. Yeah. 10. How do I explain that to my children? Count like Microsoft. <laughs> Counts like my three-year-old. One, two, 14, 18, 22, 7. They could get a job at Microsoft. <laughs> there you go. Naming the operating systems. Oh. No offense to Microsoft. I know you're powerful. We love you. They're so powerful, they don't need to give you an option on your operating system. Yeah. This is your choice. It, it, you know what? It makes sense, though. As a software engineer, you have to push people to use the, the current version. Yeah. Otherwise, it is a support nightmare. I, people even bringing websites, and you mentioned about Drupal getting hacked. And, well, if you don't have your Drupal up to date, you're going to get hacked, plain and simple. Millions of websites. We're hearing about it all over Barry right now that these ISIS websites are popping up and, and people don't understand. Well, your websites are susceptible to botnet attacks. What's going to happen is somebody sits down and codes these mm-hmm. hack attacks that go out on the internet, find all these susceptible websites, and in- interject their code. So, you know, where if you don't keep things up to date, you're in trouble. Mm-hmm. If you're running Windows XP, you're in big trouble. <laughs> if you're running, and it's surprising, Windows 7. Yeah, it's been around since, well, five years, I guess. So that's hard to believe, but I guess that's the transition. Mm-hmm. Well, here's some great news. Walt Disney Studios and Google Play announced a new partnership to provide access to all its movies, including those from Disney, Pixar, and Marvel. That's why we need 150 megabits a second. <laughs> it's all phone. coming together yeah. from any device at any time. Now that Disney has deals with both Google and Apple, you can buy movies on iTunes and watch them on an Android device as well as vice versa. The Disney Movies Anywhere DMA app is now available on the Google Play Store. Once downloaded, users can connect their Google account and access purchased movies. The effort from Disney cuts down on fragmentation that may have occurred from purchases made through a variety of devices and services. Disney launched a similar effort with Apple in February. The two deals now mean that users can access Disney digital purchases on any iOS or Android device. Customers can purchase new movies on the platform as well as redeem codes included in physical copies. Disney is also including an offer for a free copy of Wreck-It Ralph for, for the connection of the account either through iTunes or Google Play. Awesome. Awesome movie. Great option. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For all your tech news with a slight Linux bias, visit the Category5.tv newsroom at newsroom.category5.tv. For the Category5.tv newsroom, I'm Sasha Dermatis. Thank you, Sasha. This is Category 5 Technology TV, episode number 372. Welcome to the show. If you're just joining us, I'm Robbie Ferguson. I'm Krista Wells. And we already know Sasha Dermatis over there in the newsroom. Welcome to the show. Uh, we've got lots of viewer questions, uh, but before that time, I want to yeah. say thank you very much 
to everyone who has supported Category 5 Technology TV over the past little while. We're fast approaching our goal to be able to put uh, an alternative internet service into the studio here. Uh, As I mentioned a little bit earlier, we're using LTE internet here. We have to go through cellular because we can't get hardwired internet here at the studio. It's not available in the industrial area that we're in. We could get fiber, but it's like $760 a month, and that's not an option. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. So we can get uh, wireless, uh, two wireless antennas, one to go on top of our roof here at the studio, one to go on top of the roof at my house. And we can share my household internet, which is 230 megs a second. Um, so, and that would be free internet, basically, because we already have it at the house. So how would you like that? So thank you to Sounds everyone. good. Yeah, and that, that's all in an effort to uh, ma- to manage the costs of operating Category 5 technology TV. We're in this beautiful new studio set here, um, but there are new costs involved in operating the show, and uh, we're trying very hard to make sure that we're managing those expenses uh, and being good stewards with the money that you contribute as well. Uh, we want to make sure that what we're uh, purchasing and what we're spending the money on is is what you would have us to do. We are a a group of volunteers here at Category 5 Technology TV. Whether you're aware of that, um, I'm not sure. It depends on how long you've been watching, but we're all volunteers here, and uh, we appreciate your support as we continue to uh, broadcast from our new studio space. Great. Uh, We've got a bunch of new registered viewers. Great. Thank you very much for registering. Uh, So let's give a big hello to Big One 101. Hello. Uh, P. Bogey. Nice. I think it is. You want to try this next one here? <laughs> Did you see that how that you? works? <laughs> it's not tag team. It's a, no, I'll read two and then I'll give you the weird, difficult I've got, one. I've got the last one. Okay. So you just tackle this one. Well, it's W7GSH. So it could be, like could be call signs. Could be call sign for ham radio, possibly. Am I anywhere close? <laughs> could be uh, was signing up and fell asleep and ma- bashed their head on the keyboard. I like to think that's what it was. That might be what happened. Yeah. yeah. yeah well, uh, but we've also got <laughs> Seagull. I Welcome. like that one. That's easy. You want to go yeah. back and forth or you want me to just take it? I don't want you to Are feel you giving it to out. me? Yeah, you know. I will say hello fun. to Tweedle. <laughs> Thank you, Tweedle, for registering on our website and becoming a part of our fun community here. And then we've got, uh, I think it's supposed to be Ghost 3D, but G-H-O-5-T, 3D. Okay. Yeah, I think you're right. It's it's Leet Speak for Ghost 3D, yeah. definitely. And then uh, we've got Eric Onka. Welcome. Nice to have you. I didn't realize that you weren't already registered, Eric. You've been watching for so long. Welcome to uh, the, the it's official. elite. Yeah. Yeah, welcome to the elite of registered viewers on Category5.tv. If you'd like to register, it's absolutely free. Uh, Category5.tv is where you want to go, and uh, you'll be able to participate in um, contests with the show when we give things away. Uh, We have all different kind of ways to uh, give you new features as a registered viewer. We also have an awards program where you get virtual awards just for signing up and signing in. So once you get to a certain point, you start to see yourself climb up the charts as, uh, you know, like the, the top viewers. So can you just sign in all day? Like log well, out, log in? I think in? it's like 10, 10 viewer points every, per day that you oh, sign in. Okay. So, so the most you can get in a week is 70 okay. points for that particular <sighs> thing. Tried to find out. Sorry, guys. <laughs> She's sitting there. Refresh, refresh. <laughs> Why am I not climbing the charts? Why is Jot still number one? You caught me. <laughs> that's what I do. Yeah, that's exactly how it goes down. All right. <laughs> 
Uh, we've got tons of viewer questions I've been mentioning. We should really we start do. those. Holy because cow, does the hour ever all fly? All so curious right now. How does this happen? Uh, good TV, folks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a question here from our friend Tennessee Frank. I uh, says, hey, Robbie and crew, I wonder if you could do a show on how to compile stuff from source. Yes. Well, I'm not finished, but good to know. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, it says I like to install GQRX uh, onto Point Linux 2.3, but since it's not in the repos, I'd have to download the .targz and compile it. Oh, from that's crazy source. talk. Nah. Something I've had zero luck with in the past. I'd love if you could do a complete walkthrough on how to install GQRX onto Point Linux step by step, including all the dependencies and stuff. Keep bringing us those great shows, your old pard, Tennessee Frank. Thank you for your question. All right. I've got Synaptic Package Manager up here. We're going to take a look and see how we can get GQRX installed. That's what happens, right? It's not there. Okay. So bring up your browser. And let's, uh, let's find out where that software... I know you're asking about compiling from source, but gone are the days where that's probably necessary. You just throw your pen in anger. I just kind of set it down in such a spot where I wouldn't get ink all over my hand, as a matter That's of fact. That's what it was. Just yeah. clarifying. Okay. Continue on. All right. <laughs> okay. One of the things that you need to remember about Point Linux, because that's that's your question. Where? Uh, how can we get this on Point Linux? And it is GQRX that we're it looking is, for, right? Yes. Point Linux is Debian. Basically, it's Debian at its core. So if we look for GQRX on Debian, we're going to find what we're looking for. So this is the software-defined radio receiver. And what we're going to notice from this, let's scroll down probably all the way. Where can we find this? Okay, so we can download it if we want. You can get it there. Let's find out where it is available. Oh, well, there it is. It's up at the top. It's in Wheezy Backports. I'm a, so it's important to understand that, okay, Point Linux is Debian. The version of Point Linux that I am on happens to be Wheezy-based. How do I know that? Okay, I'm going to go into my terminal. There we are. And real quick, nitty-gritty way is to, um, because we're working with our repositories anyways, nano etc apt sources.list. And you'll see that it is Wheezy. It's grabbing the repositories from Wheezy. But what you notice is, okay, this uh, the package exists on Debian, right? But it's not showing up when I bring it when I do a search in Synaptic Package Manager on Point Linux. So our our immediate temptation is to say, oh well, Point Linux doesn't have it, but Debian does. Not true, okay? Because, pardon me. Remember, we're all pulling from the same repositories, right? Where is Point Linux getting its data? Where is it getting its files? Notice, ftp.debian.org. Okay. So we need to, in fact, one of the things that we notice is that we don't have backports on our Debian install. And that is where this package is found. See? So if we go there, look at that. Okay. Wheezy backports. We got it. Cool. Okay, so let's let's determine, okay, so we need to add Wheezy backports to our repository list. Easy breezy. 
Debian. Easy. I just want to make absolutely sure that I do this right for you just because we are live. Backports.debian.org slash instructions shows you how to add backports to your sources.list. Notice this is for squeeze. What do we need? We need wheezy. So we need to add this line. And remember, this is backports.debian.org slash instructions. That's got a capital I on instructions, and that is case sensitive. Okay, so for Wheezy, which we know we're on, that's what I want to copy. All right? That sounds easy, right? Easy and Wheezy? Was that a... Clever. Yeah, I know. I'm I'm good that (laughs) way. Okay, so I've just simply pasted that in to my sources.list. Now, I'm going to have a problem here. Notice what's going to happen when I try to write it out. Error, writing to file, permission denied, and that is because I'm not super user. So what I need to do is take that command and add sudo. Enter my password, and go down to the last line, add backports. You can simply type that if you want. I've saved that with Control-O, and then Control-X to exit. So now, sudo apt-get update is not going to do anything for me just now because I've got Synaptic Package Manager open close that and then hit enter on sudo apt-get update. It's going to go through all my repositories including Wheezy backports and it's going to get all the uh, available files from the repositories that can be installed. doesn't take too long. Let's wait for it. Krista, can you sing a song? I would rather not. You'd rather not? For the viewer's sake. Okay, and done. Okay. So, now that that's done, I've closed out of my terminal and I'm going to bring back up Synaptic. GQRX. Come on, you gotta find it. GQRX. Ta da! Thank you. Thank you. It's there. Now you can install it. Just like that. You don't have to compile from source. (laughs) It's there. It's in your repository list. You can now install it with your apt-get or synaptic package manager. Done. Look at that. It gets all the dependencies, all that complicated stuff that you would have just gone nuts trying to compile from source because there's so many dependencies on GQRX. Now it's set up for you. That's going to give you uh, support for all different kinds of ham radio stuff. That one's for free. <laughs> you can contribute free. if you like. Yeah, cat5.tv slash c <laughs> if that was valuable to you. Well, here's Thanks another one. Uh, All right. Question from Steve Eisenberg. says, hey, hello, Steve. watch your demo on YouTube covering the use of Wirecast for Google Hangouts, Skype, etc. Had a few questions. Um, I understand Wirecast is not very good on its own where it comes to audio. Do you have any su- solutions to suggest hardware and or software to suggest looking into? Okay. Um, all right. So just to clarify for the viewers at home and, and for you as well, uh, asking the question, is Wirecast poor at audio? No. That's, let's not get confused. Mm-hmm. You've got an audio broadca- uh, broadcasting tool that is taking whatever audio you give it and broadcasting it. Right. But if you're giving it crummy audio, it doesn't... It's not, it has nothing to work with. It's not, a pro- it's not an audio processor. Mm-hmm. It's getting whatever you give it. 
it's like the video. I mean, I've if we had a terrible little 360p camera, I can't expect to get 1080p out of it. It's not going to happen. So the the key thing is with Wirecast with any broadcast or recording system, you have to feed it good audio. How do we do that? How? Okay. He's going to tell you. Well, we go through headsets. That's close proximity. That works really, really well because you can't necessarily hear some of the noises around us. And and if one of the things about headsets that's really nice is I can do this and it doesn't matter where I'm looking, where I'm talking. It's not like a shotgun where if I look away from the mic or with a lapel, same thing. If I look over here and I'm doing an interview and then I look forward, all of a sudden my voice is louder. With the headset, I don't have that problem. I love headsets for that. And these are not cosmetically uh, horrible either. I mean, they look just fine. They're, oh, so it's like you small. have a little like, it's a mole. flesh-colored it's a molder. It's birthmark. Yeah. yeah. Um, you can get them, uh, Jot mentioning, in the Category 5 shop. And that's, that's part of what I want to mention to you is, yeah, we've got some hardware recommendations based on our own purchases and how we do things here. So we have, everything goes through the mixer, which is basically just a phantom pre and allows us to set up the levels, basically. Then it goes through uh, a compressor. What a com- It's a compressor and a gate. So if we're all quiet, all of our microphones turn off, just like that. Okay. But that never happens. It never happens. But what that does is it gives the illusion that there is no background noise right. whatsoever. As soon as we start talking, it's a very fast gate. A gate basically turns off the audio. Um, The gate instantly opens up, and you can hear us. But because it's also a compressor, um, and and it it does some nice things with the EQ, uh, as a compressor, it takes our levels and makes sure that we're all fairly even. So if I'm talking louder than you, for example, it will turn up your microphone. It will turn down mine. Good. That's cool. Yeah. But it also helps with things like, okay, if I need to cough, <coughs> or if I need to yell at you for some crazy reason, or if I laugh, or if I sneeze, it automatically turns down my microphone. So while you can hear that audibly I was louder, you didn't have to jump like the ladies here on Too set. Too bad that doesn't work in real life. <laughs> if you could just Not that turn Robbie me yells down. often. <laughs> So compressor is extreme. I would n- never broadcast without a compressor. It's going. Uh, um, the tech broadcast network right now is talking about using software to post produce, and it's like, no, get good audio out the gate and make it sound good. Just compress your audio, make it. And when I say compression, that is a uh, tech. That's a device. It's a piece of hardware that is between our board and our computer. So the audio is always post processed before it even happens. So that keeps our levels good. And it also protects our hardware so that we're not pumping a really loud signal into the computer because it's always kept at this level. If you look at our wavetable, you'll see what I mean. Uh, Then it goes through an exciter. A BBE Sonic Maximizer is what we use, but those are no longer... exciting. (laughs) It really is. Uh, uh, In the old studio terms, we used to call it Christmas Um, because it adds that shimmery kind of... It's not politically correct. Whatever. We're all family here. Um, it, it adds Christmas to the to the sound. It, it's that little magical kind of like shimmery, elves. like 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 <laughs> glistening snow and and that like, nice not little. Correct, no. Uh, it makes it sound tangent. really good. It makes it sound really really nice. Not flat. Not telephony. Right. It excites it. It makes the sound sound more exciting. 
That's what they do in radio. Same, these are the same technologies that they use in radio at the repeater tower. Except you get to see our beautiful faces. Except. Okay, shop.category5.tv. Let's head on over there for you. Okay, so this is our, our merch store for Category 5 Technology TV. It's an interesting way for you to support the show. Some of it is purchased through us. Some of it is actually uh, available, you know, like that Tascam recorder. You actually order it through Amazon through our site, and a portion of the sale goes to support Category 5 Technology TV. What I want to bring to your attention, though, because of the question, is uh, over in the right-hand column here, you see a category called Studio Gear. And if I click on that, I'm going to have access to these great microphones that we use here at Category 5 TV. Uh, you've got access to a compressor and limiter. That's what I was telling you about. And a Behringer version of our Sonic Maximizer product. And that is what those three things together and you have to have a preamp for your microphones. You've got to have something to run it through like a mixer, right? Um, then you're going to get really nice sound. So then it comes, out, it comes out of that Sonic Maximizer goes into the back of the computer and broadcasts out and sounds beautiful and we have control over the mix on our board. So it's really, it's, it sounds complicated. It's pretty simple, though. That's the key thing. You've got to have the ability to control it outside of Wirecast or any application that you're using. Just like a studio. Cool. I can't believe the time. It's been fun. It's been nice having you here. I see, who do we see? Jot and Popey and Garby and Albuquerque like Turkey and Agamotto. Is that show Rompus room? Andrew Bates. It is exactly like that. <laughs> Andrew Bates 10. It's nice to have you here live tonight. Really enjoyed the show last week. Sasha, kudos to you. you really Thank you. There. Yes, I'm in the chat room. When I'm not reading the news, I'm in the chat room. <laughs> there she is. Yeah, got it all, all going. So there we go. That's it. That's all the time that we have. Till next week. Till next week. I really hope that you can join us. Don't forget, hey, cat5.tv slash open house. That's going to be a great time and a really neat opportunity for, for viewers to come and interact with, uh, with the hosts of the show. We'll be on our best behavior. We'll definitely try. Definitely try. Well, nice to see everybody. Get your questions in this week. Live at category5.tv is where you can email. Thanks to uh, Krista as well as Sasha for being here tonight and Adam on camera as well. Thanks, everybody. Have a great week. We hope you enjoyed the show. Category 5 TV broadcasts live from Barrie, Ontario, Canada, every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern. If you're watching this on demand or through cable TV, check out the local showtimes in your area at Category5.tv and find out when you can watch live and interact in the community chat room. Category 5 is a production of Prodigy Digital Solutions and is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution 2.5 Canada. We'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in.